Hello all and welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling. Uh, I'm David. I'm a noob. I haven't watched all that much wrestling. Um, but you can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to be watching more today. Since since you're making it a thing now to try to tie us into the episode, I'm I wasn't sure how you were going to do okay. it. <laughs> because today is a bit of a special episode in that, you know, uh, as a little bit of a behind-the-scenes kind of a thing, is that we up to this point have only done televot regular free episodes of tv on this podcast and the reason for that is is because me and david both have regular jobs that do not allow us to have significantly long amount of times to record these things as long as it would be to have like full-on recording days yeah but like pay-per-views are like three hours long so that's not a feasible option Mm -hmm. uh but for this episode, I felt like this pay-per-view, it is literally impossible to do this storyline any justice if I didn't do cover this this ep- to cover this pay-per-view especially. Uh, today we are watching, um, this is a follow-up for our continuing Summer of Punk storyline, uh, which started in episode 6, um, Breaking the Fourth Wall for Fun and Profit. I need to remember to do these plugs at the beginning. Yes. And episode 12, Intense Contract Negotiations. Uh this is our third episode of this five-episode arc that I've planned, and we are watching Money in the Bank 2011. Yes! Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Because one, I'm I'm freaking I'm obsessed with Summer of Punk. And, and mm-hmm. second of all, I've been waiting to, to watch a Money in the Bank match, and I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, so I, f- I feel like let's go ahead and throw out, I guess, uh, for the intro here, we can talk a little bit about kind of a reminder of t- say what we're going to watch on this episode, because mm-hmm. to answer the question of, well, uh, well you're doing a pay-per-view now, so you're going to watch all three hours. The answer is no. no. We have cut out. There are six matches on this show. We are only going to watch four of them. Basically, the four matches that are of the storylines that we have been following in the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the story that we're going to skip is the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, at this point in time, they were doing one on SmackDown and one on Raw. Uh, we're not going to watch the SmackDown one because we haven't been watching SmackDown. And right. we are, and we are not going to watch Christian versus Randy Orton for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, now, fair enough. Having seen this, having seen this pay per view in its entirety before, it's a really good match. And honestly, if I was ever willing to come back to this era in 2011, it would probably be for either to do the Hall of Pain, Mark Henry's Hall of Pain, more more um, more in depth, or doing the storyline Christian versus Randy Orton because I think both of them are really good storylines that they had on SmackDown during this time. But we, that's not what this podcast. That's not the range of what we've been doing so far so it's not worth watching this match. but also give me all of the mark henry please (laughs) so what we will be watching is the divas championship match between kelly kelly and brie bella i i know but like i know i know i know i know We've had to sit through it for two weeks on this podcast it feels like we might as well watch the pay-per-view match (laughs) get it over with yeah yeah i guess to sum up you know it's very divas era kind of of bland where kelly kelly is a a a lovable baby face who is just hot and the bellas are mean girls because that's the only way they know how to write heel female characters at this point um they did get weird about it and got a little got into like calling 
Kelly Kelly anorexic for a hot uh, second there. Uh, Jerry Lawler being, of course, especially weird about it. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Big Show versus Mark Henry. It's the kind of storyline that is technically supposed to be on SmackDown, in that both of the both of them are considered SmackDown wrestlers. But because of the way that WWE was doing programming in 2011, it's a storyline that kind of bled through to Monday Night Raw too. So I figured, why not? Let's go for it. Yeah. And in that match, is pretty much you know big dudes, you know <laughs> button head, trying to be uh, the biggest and strongest dude. Honestly, I enjoy that format a lot more than I ever anticipated I would. So I'm all I'm all here for it. Absolutely, please those 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 big dudes just just going at it. I, I love it. Absolutely. And then obviously the two marquee matches. Uh, the first being the the Monday Night Raw Money in the Bank ladder match, and hmm. that match has in it. I am I'm looking this up again right now, but to see if I can try to remember how much of it I can remember. It's like it's Alberto Del Rio. Rey Mysterio, R-Truth, Evan Bourne, Jack Swagger, Kofi Kingston, uh, The Miz, and Alex Riley. And, oh, man. You know, there's there's been a lot of interpersonal dynamics at play in the match. Watch our prior two episodes in this storyline for more details. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, the, at, the, at the end of the day, what this match is really about is a bunch of dudes trying to climb a ladder to get a briefcase that lets them have a world championship, a WWE championship match at the time of their choosing. Mm-hmm. The end of the day, that's what it's all really about. It's it's just all the all the rest is filler. We just want to see some. We just want to see some muscle dudes climb ladders. That's 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 all I've signed up for. Yeah, it's going to be very. I, I guarantee it's going to be very fun and very chaotic. Ah, uh, yes. But then, of course, the main event. Uh, CM Punk versus John Cena for the WWE Championship. <laughs> you know, it, it not not a whole lot has to be said as as a reminder. You know, is what happened here is that CM Punk, uh, in storyline and in real life, was at the end of his contract with WWE and very seriously considered uh, not re-signing. Um, it's not much of a long-term spoiler to say that, like, he did, considering we've already watched an episode in 2012 when he's there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not really a spoiler to say that he doesn't end up not resigning. But yeah. he, but, and it, and on his way out, he, he does, the, he, start, he starts this whole storyline where, le- where he's really leaning on and breaking the fourth wall in a way that is very un- n- never, be- I don't want to say never before seen, but very rarely seen on WWE television. Yeah. With the pipe bomb promo and then even the stuff he was talking about in our last episode when he was, yeah. talking, when he was <laughs> the contract negotiations with Vince McMahon and John Cena. Yeah, I know. The amount of creative freedom they gave Punk on, on these scripts just blows my mind. And, and I... I am absolutely in love with it. It mm-hmm. just feels so fresh and so distinct from anything else we've watched. I, I, I'm just in for the ride at this point. He, he's done such a good job with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the flip side, Vince McMahon is kind of like a, well, shit, CM Punk can't be the WWE champion after he's embarrassed me this much. That ain't going to happen. And that so, ain't going to fly. And so he he's also laid down the law on John Cena, who fought to let CM Punk keep the match, stay in the match, despite you know him acting like a, act making fun of Vince McMahon so much. He you know 
freedom of speech, rah, 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 whatever. Point yeah. being is Vince McMahon was like, fine, if you lose, then you're fired, Cena. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's Vince McMahon being Vince McMahon about it and John Cena being John Cena about it. And it makes for some great character dynamics. And yes, please just, just give it to me direct inject directly into my veins. And of course, the only other, the, the big factor being also the, the big kind of what makes this moment even more climactic is that it is taking place in CM Punk's hometown of Chicago, Illinois. And Ooh. trust me, that's going to play into how the crowd reacts to this, to this <laughs> match. I, I am looking forward. You know what? Well deserved. I can't wait for Punk to get his freaking due. Mm-hmm. I mean, he already, I guess he already kind of has, but like, but like even more so with the home court advantage. Yes, I'm rooting for him. And so, yeah, I think that because, because our last episode was the last episode before Money in the Bank, there's not really anything to worth to cover in terms of like what's been going on in the in-between because there is nothing. So that's kind of a pretty basic um, plot breakdown of where we're at again if you would like to know more you can pause this episode and go watch our last two episodes about this to get a more uh, robust and full explanation of where everything is storyline wise and then come on back yes please watch our shit yes watch all of it so with that having been said um we're gonna go ahead and watch the episode and see you guys in our back half and we are back. We have just finished watching most of Money in the Bank 2011. Holy shit. Oh my god, that was exhilarating. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I don't I don't really think there's I don't really think I, I could open any better. Say it was really good. <laughs> it was that I mean that was that was that was phenomenal. It's not it, it was I, I mean, the the main event is obviously what really makes it, but like, but like overall, fantastic time. I kind of wanted this week save the main event to last because there's just so much to kind of. Okay, play. let's let's just go in order then. Yeah, let's go in order. I mean, All starting right. off, starting off with divas, uh, uh, Kelly Kelly versus Brie Bella. I, I'm, yeah, that was a thing. It uh, happened. Um, I, I, my, my running gag of of keeping track of how long these matches go is going to be skipped this week because it lasted like. Almost five minutes, and it doesn't feel worth worth uh, worth Which is, making a crack about. I just want to point out, still nothing in comparison to the rest of the matches, but no, uh, easily the shortest match on the show. Yeah, no, I mean the 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 big highlights were Kelly Kelly had her serious business face on. The Bella Twins for some reason didn't pull their their weird like twin switch off shenanigans. Um, even though yeah, this would be a perfect time for them to do so. Best time to do that, but now not gonna. No, they don't care. They just kind of looked mad at the end. They were even kind of like beating up on each other, like pissed that that I, um, and the the crowd was like eerily silent for a majority <laughs> of that match. Yes, yeah, it definitely doesn't look good, especially after the main watching the main event when the crowd was really into it. This I is know, about they, the opposite of that. I the the way I likened it too. It's like one of those videos of like Disneyland without the music. It's just mm-hmm. it's there. There was this eerie underlying silence to it. This bizarre quietude that just felt viscerally incorrect when watching something like this. And Keep it is just it, it is just kind of like depressing that that it's of course it's because it's the divas and nobody gives a shit. Yeah. We should keep that in mind for when we do a pandemic era wrestling show that has oh, the same problem. I've seen 
I've well, okay, oh yeah, no, I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say like pandemic era wrestling that has like good lady wrestlers because I've yeah, seen I, like I've seen clips of like some of the contemporary stuff and the crowd response to them. Yeah, no, just, I was I was referring to the eerie silence part. <laughs> I mean, we already kind of had that with the Brody Lee episode of just like mm-hmm. early on that was so bizarre, and I did not like that. That's it true. felt it felt it was no pun intended it was rather disquieting um uh uh but yeah so that i mean that was a thing kelly kelly won good good guy prevails nice black white easy woo there was much rejoicing yay yeah um i guess uh, i'll say i'll save my pick talks about mcmahon when we get to the main event stuff but because there's stuff throughout the night with him but that's not yeah the main event then the next thing would be big show and mark henry oh my god i i I mean i remarked in the first half the the brutalism fights like these i just eat them up it's it's so satisfying in a way to see these two behemoths just kind of clash into each other so um so powerfully they the, the the way they um the way they interact they I mean, first of all, Mark Henry is terrifying. Um, uh, he he's always been kind of this very um, clearly single-mindedly driven fighter of just I want to destroy you. But there was an extra primality to it this time around that was just he was desperate, he was hungry, he just wanted to finally end this. And Big Show was just trying to stand up for himself. Um, it's it's weird to see like the big show being his size kind of being like the almost the underdog babyface trying to fight back. But that's yeah, what Mark, when, that's the position Mark Henry puts him in. When you're able to make the big show look like that much of a bitch, like that you know you're displaying something really intimidating, really powerful, and quite frankly, scary as hell. Um and I mean it was just it, it's just magnificent to watch I, I i wish i could see a match like that live where mm. everything just the ground shakes as they as they bump into each other the 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 ring ripples under their pinfalls it it's it's beautiful in its brutality i i just love watching matches like that oh yeah big big guy matches when done really well when you have when you have really good the thing about big man matches is also the fact that like half of guys who are the guy who are the size of Big Show and Mark Henry also kind of suck. <laughs> but but like when they're when they're really good, when you get really good wrestlers their size in the ring together, it's it's awesome. They're so insanely talented. I am in awe watching them do whatever they do whatever they do. And like I said, I would like I would like just crumple into a puddle. If if I ever like met Mark Henry in person, that motherfucker glared down at me. I even there there was this great moment when he was entering the ring of like someone like patting him on the back as he passed the crowd. He turned around and like fucking like thrust at them, uh, just like it's like what do you want? And it was and they jumped because it, it. I can imagine that's legitimately terrifying. This giant so dude with this with just this low down gaze who's who's coming in there for one purpose and that purpose is destroy. Mm-hmm. Oh my. god rice is was was that cool to watch and all right uh this is this is uh time number one i knew i knew it was going to come to me saying this at some point tonight so this is instance number one of me hugely gratifying uh all of austin's behind the scenes efforts tonight 
But what made it especially satisfying to watch was having all the context leading up to this, knowing the background. Hey. Yeah, no. Uh, seeing their their feud up to this point, you know, snippets of it relatively, but mm-hmm. seeing um, that these two men were were poised for this giant climactic battle, um, and also knowing just how dominant relatively Mark Henry's been for a majority of this feud, it just it, it was it was just this slow burn kind of knowing right that big show was going to get put away because mark henry's just driven to 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 pulverize this man yeah this was this was kind of one of our, our first experience with like the wwe pay-per-view video packages mm-hmm. which is almost like one of the most undisputedly good things wwe does ever those were awesome oh like my even, God. like even in like more modern times where the fans are kind of down on wwe or they think a storyline is bad. Like you get you get a WWE video package on there, and it's gonna look like the coolest shit ever. Oh my god the 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 editing is phenomenal. The the way they filter all the footage, um, mm-hmm. the to single out colors and kind of add a gritty gritty graininess to the you know over the top whatever. Uh, the the sound design on them, um. And, and just the general epic scale they they present is uh, uh just just hugely entertaining on their own a great recap uh for practical reasons and a kind of a great payoff if you have seen these clips before of just kind of flashing back to every little highlight leading up to this point knowing that you're about to hit a fantastic climax of, of whatever storyline that uh, this is this is coming to a head in the moment absolutely but uh you know mark henry and big show is is it, it's a it's a short it's it's a very short match it only goes about six minutes but you know they they really pack it in and it's very entertaining it's yeah uh again just it, because you know you know that these displays of brute strength are real everything mm-hmm. here is visceral and brutal um and each of them are also giant dudes who can take it. But then, even then, they, they find a way to, to make sure that feeling doesn't get stale. Because, like, you know, like, you know, they're going to punch each other back and forth. And they're going to slam into each other. But ultimately, these are these are big boys. They can handle shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did this really smart thing of throughout the match kind of setting up, um, reminding us that, like, uh, one of Big Show's legs is a little fucked up. And then at the very end, we see Mark Henry like basically splint his like splint his leg in in the throes of a of a folding chair, and jump off the like top rope onto it to like supposedly break Big Show's ankle or whatever. And that is an incredible effect. That like you look at that and you're like, how in the world can they like? fake that mm-hmm. that is that's just like fucked that that's that's something that you can't like you're you're gonna take some pain and damage yes. for and it's so it's so brutal and it's like it's after the match too like, yeah you didn't have to do that he already mark henry already won let's go i mean we're driving match. home how how like bloodthirsty he is right yeah is is and and as i as i told david he double tapped and that you know, he Big Show actually kicked out of the world's strongest slam the first time through, which is a mm-hmm. bit of a shocking moment in its own right. So this time, 
Mark Henry when he hits the second one. Then he like does the bot the big old like splash on Big Show twice after that to make sure Big Show stayed down. And then he grabbed a chair and snapped his ankle with it. <laughs> Which again is just the just the little bit of subversion there went a, went a long way. Because you're already watching a brutal match, but there's kind of like this safety net in the back of your mind of kind of understanding the, the physical reality of of how this is probably playing out for the two of them IRL. But that final moment is so deeply brutal and so violent. And uh, as, as you said, gratuitous and unnecessary. Um, it just, it just sets you on edge and, and kind of flips things upside down at the last second to, to magnificent effect to the point where I'm still puzzling over how the hell they pulled that off without like, actually permanently like fucking up big show's leg and I actually I actually don't know how they do that. Like that's uh like that's a, like, that's, a, that's the kind of thing that obviously you throw out there every once in a while is as as like a gratuitous violent visual visual moment. But I I do not know how they fake those. Like I It's a fantastic not. magic trick in a way. <laughs> oh yeah. Um and and again just adds such great effect to an already super entertaining match. Oh my god, I I just can't get enough of these two guys. It's really funny because like I I I again I think of wrestlers like these whose whole shtick is just like blind savage brutality, and it it's it's uh like on the surface level it feels unappealing to me because I want more finesse, I want more style, whatever. But it, kind of taking it in for the physical feats that they are, um, and kind of realizing all of the things these dudes are capable of is, is makes it so cool to watch. And I, I just loved every second of that match as much as I thought I would long live, uh, the world's strongest heel. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> after, that, after that, we get kind of the, the almost kind of the, the polar opposite. To, to Big Show and Mark Henry of uh, in the the Raw Money in the Bank ladder match. Oh, the, yeah, uh, uh, exactly. You know, exactly. The, well, okay. Opposite in that, like, you know, they're smaller dudes, and there's a lot more like finesse and style and clever trickery or what have you. But the cool thing was that brutalism was still there. Um, <laughs> but oh my god, that ladder they, match! They literally was... start the match with everyone wielding the ladder <laughs> as a weapon. Yeah, literally. And 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 the first thing that happens is everybody gangs up on Alberto Del Rio and he just gets slammed between like seven other ladders. It was insane and thrown out of the ring. Um, God, there's there's so much to cover. Like I don't even know if I can talk on a whole lot of specifics because there's just so much that happened in that match. There, there, but, yeah, it's it's hard because it's it's. I think it's a good intro to, to the Money in the Bank ladder match concept. Oh, that was phenomenal. That was such a good. Um, I mean, okay, because because the the big the the kind of two big themes of this match when it comes to analyzing it are one you have the brilliant all the brilliant instances of setup and payoff in this match these very physical um, very physical moments where a ladder gets set up a certain way. Um, or somebody's somebody's like approaching the ring, or somebody's like about to try out a new tactic, and and another person's like trying to counter it. And 
the the way that they take each setup and use it uh, in a, each a couple different ways, like you know, a ladder that I think Kofi it was no, it was a I can't remember. No, it was our truth. Our truth set a, set like a ladder in like a corner of the ring, um, and it was used to like ram people into it. It was used to trap people under it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ray Mysterio like jumped the jump between like. The, the crack between the ladder and the, and the actual like corner of the ring at one point yeah, there was well, just so much yeah that was actually a really cool moment and then the way it kind of like try in the way it kind of made it kind of like leads you it twists and turns it's like okay so we're archer sets up the ladder and then he tries to um then he tries to throw ray mysterio into it but ray mysterio is able to like duck under it mitt slide his way under it so it feels like it's going to be like aha uh-huh. Ray, the the baby faces as as survive the trick, and he and he's gonna turn the tables on the heel, and he tries, but then our truth is able to recover and like sl- push the ladder into Ray's ribs. Yeah. Um. <laughs> or this, or we have it all happens like snap, snap, snap. It's not it's not a long it's not a long thing at all. You don't get the time to think about it. Um. <laughs> which is which is what makes it all the more impressive. Because you're kind of you kind of sit there first, like why the hell did our truth like place a ladder there? And it still doesn't like t- make total sense, like why he was initially kind of going for that. Yeah, because he but, was in the ring alone when he did that. Yeah, um, but like it just one right after the other, all these different innovative ways of just using that ladder in that one position. Um, it's so it's so impressive to watch. Um, because you know who knows how much of this is pre choreographed versus how much of it is kind of improv on the fly. Um. But no matter what, these are eight dudes in a ring kind of having to work in cooperation with each other and, and being constant communication, especially with all of these like giant ass weapons in play, being constant communication of what they're setting up next and how they're each going to play off of it. Um, and, and the fact that they can like kind of, you know, probably improv a little around it and trust each other to do so. Um, and just it's every layer to the way the ladder match uh, format was utilized here was was brilliant because because um, again everything every everything that's that gets set up a certain way then pays off. There's a certain precariousness to every single um, every single time somebody tries to set a plan in motion because you know one other person could um, could jump in there. And with just the right move, completely send everything toppling over. Sometimes, literally. Yeah, um, no, so- a, a classic maneuver in a ladder match is, especially in these big ones where there's like ten guys in there, is just what if you just push a ladder over that other people are on, and then they got to take like a pratfall. And the fragility of that is it keeps this amazing tension throughout the match as everything just continues to build because it does a great job showing off early on. Like if somebody has a plan, it's gonna get fucked up by somebody else. Um, there's just too many people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and people slowly start to get eliminated. Sure. Um, but you, there, there are so many variables at play that, that they do a good job demonstrating early on, like why you can't just like get everybody out, manage to get everybody out, set up a ladder in the middle, and then climb up because something's gonna go wrong. It's it's like it's like Murphy's law, the match. Um, <laughs> and so and so that early setup creates this great running tension. Um, so that that's kind of like the first major thematic thread of analyzing this. The second is just the amazing aesthetic that went along with everything. I mean, of course, the climactic or not the climactic, but like the the uh, um, peak tableau of this whole match was this great moment where where 
like five or six different ladders all got set up in the middle and pretty much everybody except i think like the miz was uh climbed up top and we're all because the miz was out with an injury that's one of the stories of the match so he wasn't there at the time the other seven guys are all climbing the ladder at the same time and they're all reaching for the briefcase at the same time and I'm sure you could freeze from it for this great moment where every single one has their arm up and they're all looking up. Um, and it, it, it just it just looks like it's it's gorgeous. Like I said, it's a tableau. Um, it's it's WWE's version of Norman Rockwell in a way. Um, uh, the the quintessential the quintessential the quintessential picture of the the pinnacle of what this sport can look like at its absolute uh, wildest. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, I feel like, uh, the kind of the bigger, the, the, to, to kind of bracket people out into like their roles of the match is, as mm-hmm. I, I want to start with probably the four people who I think have the least significant role in any real way. Yeah. And that would be, I think, Evan Bourne, Jack Swagger, Alex Riley, and R-Truth. I, I, I guess so. Yeah. Like, or especially the three that aren't Evan Bourne, in that Evan Bourne fills the niche that kind of every ladder match needs, in that being the daredevilist dude. But like, honestly, I didn't even get that from Bourne. I got them more from like Kofi and and Mysterio than I did from Evan. Kofi, did, Kofi, I think does more consistently high fly stuff, which is kind of undermines Bourne. But I think Bourne did, does probably like the most redonkulous looking visual of the match when he does okay, the star press off the top of the ladder onto top onto everybody else. Okay, that is that is true. That was a good that was a good moment. Uh that was that was really cool. Which oh me and David had a, f- a funny little thing there. This is, is okay is, is okay. One of one of the worst things about I, I am very forgiving. Let's I'm gonna preface I'm very forgiving of of like this thing in wrestling and some people aren't is that Pretty blatantly, when guys are going to dive to the outside, generally it's not very well masked that everybody is going to stand there to catch them. And I'm very forgiving about it, especially because it's a safety thing, if nothing else. Yeah. And I think the visual's cool enough for it to not matter. But literally, they do like four dives consecutively <laughs> in nah. this manner of Jack Swagger and The Miz have to like fall down, <laughs> get up. Get dived on again. Yeah. Get up. And like I was making a joke, like of them being like, ha, but they're not going to dive on us a second a time. time. They're oh, not going to dive, dive on us, dive on us a third time. time. Oh, I, I'm sure they're not going to dive on us a fourth time. Yeah, no. It's a fun, it was a fun progression moment, too, in that like Alex Riley is, is being a bit more bigger dude who's not really big into athletics. His kind of, his doesn't look quite as pretty. So yeah. he goes first and then like, Mysterio and and Kofi do it, and they're they're you know graceful in the air, and then and then Evan Bourne shows up to be like fuck it, we're going, or I'm jumping off the ladder into a into a shooting star press. Uh, yeah, uh, just just like just crashing straight down into them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, no, I will give it that. Is for for as obvious as the setup was, pretty cool visual. Um, oh, what was that great? Um. That great, like as you call it, like in stereo takedown. It was like, was it that was our truth? Was one of them? I'm pretty sure. Was our truth? No, I think I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was either Rey Mysterio and Kofi or Rey Mysterio and Evan Bourne. Of where? Oh, okay. Of where? I, I forget who they. I think Jack Swagger was one of the guys climbing the ladder. But him and one other person were climbing the ladder, okay. and then Rey Mysterio and either Kofi or Evan 
they both do a Hurricane Rana at the same time to knock both of them off, the other guys off the ladder at the exact same time. And Perfectly so it's this fine. great visual of like this si- the, these two simultaneous like basically backflip load bearing backflips um, to like whip the other people onto the ground. It was it was it was it was a sensational uh, that was a sensational image. Um, now perfectly timed. Yeah. Oh my God. Again, the choreography plus the communication plus the improv that this all must take is simply astounding to me. Like matches like this, especially when a match like this is done this well, it's it's simply exemplary. And I think a fantastic argument for uh, the WWE and like professional wrestling as a whole as it exists like this, um, as this amazingly distinct art form. Uh, it's like sports art, athletics art in a way of how can we um how can we utilize like these these talents of like brute strength and acrobatics to create something that is simultaneously deeply violent but not to not to get too hyperbolic but like um astoundingly and sometimes movingly beautiful in their in 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 their in in the physicalities they create yeah, it, 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 wrestling as an art form is wild, man. <laughs> in like, uh, yeah. Oh, God, when it's good. It's so good. Indeed it is. Um, as I was saying back to the, the, the storyline. Go kind for of the story it. Beat, Please. I feel like Riley and Swagger and R-Truth all kind of fit in this. R-Truth a little less so, but Swagger and, and, and Riley kind of fit in both as this kind of like another like essential piece to a ladder match puzzle of like, a bigger dude who's there to kind of just be a big guy, not necessarily do all the flipsy stuff, but is there to be like the powerhouse among a smaller dudes. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. But I also think that because Del Rio is such a major part of the match and he himself kind of fits that, that they're, that they aren't as significant. Yeah. And as I pointed out to you while we were watching, it also doesn't help that from a distance, Miz and Alex Riley are nearly like indistinguishable. Um, yeah. And and Jack Swagger, if he weren't bleach blonde, would also be pretty indistinguishable from the two of them. So yeah. so so their their issues. It feels like these three like um oh well and and Evan Bourne in there too. Yeah. Um so it feels like these kind of like generic Xerox of each other white dudes that are just kind of like there. Like um, Alex Riley, I can't think of like a f- um, a suit. Like I can think of like a super m- cool memorable thing everybody did in this match, except for except Alex, Alex Riley. Yeah, what a shock! The way you've been ragging I, on him, I'm not remotely surprised. I mean, even, at least Jack Swagger had the cool moment where like Kofi Kingston's trying to climb the ladder and he literally just ankle locks him until Kofi falls off. Yeah, or th- wasn't there another great moment with like Swagger and Kofi? It was either Swagger and Kofi or like Swagger and Arthur Truth or something. But like. Uh, there was a ma- there was a ladder like wedged in between two. Oh yeah, ladders, okay. And they yeah, use like, like this fuck up seesaw yeah, thing. Swagger, oh yeah, Swagger's like trying to like get a ladder in the ring, and then r Truth runs up the ladder. First runs up the ladder, and then he gets in the ring, and like Swagger's still trying to push the ladder in, and so r Truth kind of like uses <clears> the seesaw <throat> and knocks Swagger in the jaw. Yeah. Oh god, that was a great moment too. I loved that. Again, that great setup and payoff of you can already tell like this is precarious. You already know. Tells, you can you already know this is going to go wrong. The question now remains: How are they going to do it? Um, and and it's it's so satisfying to watch moments like mm-hmm. that because because they could throw anything out and whatever they throw out, you know, is going to be really impressive to see. Yeah, um, that then, was great. Then, yeah, and then our truth has a lot as as quite a few cool moments in this match, even if he other even if he otherwise doesn't always feel super important in it. 
I don't. Well, yeah, that that, moments. that helps him. That helps him stand out. Is that like even though he's he's kind of ultimately unimportant in the grand scheme of things, and he doesn't have like all these super standout moments, he he's unique enough in how he presents and his physicality and everything, um, that you can't help but kind of remember him. But you know, I, th- my one gripe is like, man, I wish they would have cracked more jokes about his fear of heights, like throughout the match. Like I wish they yeah. like, leaned into that more. That would have been so funny, uh, especially because they they like the lead up to this. They they focused a lot on that, and he was like he was like you're uh you're exacerbating my my acrophobia or whatever uh yeah how how could you do this to me this is this is bigotry or whatever uh that was that that was really funny and i wish they'd lean more into that yeah if i if i might an idea they could have done is like oh okay so early in the match there's a lot of like these mini ladders that get thrown around and that and they exist he literally grabs one like yeah and they they exist because like they work as a weapon and they and they help for the early visual gag of everyone having a ladder as a weapon (laughs) so it would have been funny if like archer tried to set up one of the smallest ladders in the ring and tried to climb it (laughs) and see i thought they were gonna do that I thought they were going to do that. It would have been an obvious gag, but it would have been funny nonetheless. Um, but yeah, he's he's kind of unique enough that he that it, that it helps to like have him stand out. Um, I mean, Kofi is Kofi's phenomenal. I love his high flying shit. He's so talented. He's he makes what he does feel so effortless. But honestly, I think Mysterio was the real MVP of this match. Yes, um, uh, I, I kind of in my like taking us through how everyone. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I, I will no, I will I, let you get back to your uh, breakdown. No, is I would say that like Co- Kofi and Rey Mysterio kind of fit to real kind of fit are definitely like the top baby faces here, and Kofi Kingston gets a lot of the really cool athleticism stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh my! God. Uh, one of my favorites is definitely when he literally leapfrogs over Jack Swagger to start climbing the ladder. Yup. Oh, that was so cool. But Kofi's doing this kind of crazy shit all the entire match. And he is, and he comes so close to winning. He does. Oh God. Uh, that made me so sad. No. Kofi, I was so excited for Kofi to, to get that, that dub, but no, no, he got knocked down too. No. And then Rey Mysterio is there. He is the, the, un, the plucky underdog baby face that he always is. <laughs> what he is once again. In this role, he he's the one who has the most. I think has the most like, oh, this could be it. Is he gonna win moments of everyone in the match? He also like knocked down the most people. I think like oh like, yeah, easily easily like took down the most people. He's just so fast. He gets in and gets out so quick, and he's yeah, so and agile. And, and he was strong. the last. And he was the last one out. He was the yeah. oh god, and and. See the funny thing about Mysterio too is is he's kind of this funny parallel to John Cena of like um the the underdog who's actually the best except with Mysterio he actually is the underdog because he doesn't he's not you know obviously WWE champion or anything he doesn't get nearly as many wins as Cena does um despite like being actually kind of the best um so he's he's this great like satisfying guy to watch because um everything he does just feels so flawless and there's just this great affable quality about him even though like you know he's he's masked he's a masked luchador um and so it's kind of like harder to straight up identify with him there there's this great affability to him that just makes you that kind of compels you to root for him even if you're like no no investment in his story whatsoever it's always so cool to me how like 
how good luchadors are at expressing themselves despite literally wearing masks. Well, because it's their physicalities. They don't need to rely on their faces. Each one of them moves in such a unique way. Like, Mysterio sets himself apart in every single match just because the ways in which he uh, he moves himself um, <laughs> looks so different from everybody else around him. That's true. And, like, yeah, it, it is. he is incredible. And... He had, a, he had a fantastic show. I almost wish he won this match. I like, wish he had won this match. And he got so close. And it felt like such a tease to have it like yanked away at the last second. Now, you, we got to see probably one of the worst aspects of Money in the Bank match. And I forgive it because there's no other way to do it. Is like, is that like you get these moments where guys kind of look dumb for not being able to pull the briefcase down. I mean, <laughs> okay. In Myster- because they're having to stall and wait for the other guy to come to stop them. I will say, in Mysterio's case, it kind of works because he's short, so you can be like, ah, um, the the short guy was having trouble reaching. Like it, it, they, it. For this one, it's forgivable enough because, like, yeah, sure, Mysterio is Mysterio and Kayfabe is having trouble reaching. Why not? Um, uh, kind of. Go for it. Oh, I was just gonna move, go ahead and move on to like talking about the Miz, who's kind of like the the secondary and ta- almost the second most important heel, I think, in this match. Mm-hmm. And he's not even there for most of for half of it. The Miz. Yeah, because the Miz they run they run a classic angle of of like guy gets hurt in the middle of a mid, of the of a big multi person match and comes back in in the end. And funny enough, this is that's something they do a lot with like baby faces to give them a triumphant return. Mm-hmm. To iffy depend it it depends. It's it's one of those things that can really backfire. Be in the because like. Yes, they're coming back from an injury, but also we kind of know that, like, it's not... Also, they got to, like, not wrestle for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And then they come back, and then they get to come back and be like, all right, I'm in. It's like, well, now now you're the most refreshed. But it definitely works for, like, a, a, a conniving heel like The Miz to be, like take advantage of this opportunity where he even sure he's kind of hurt, but also he's hasn't been wrestling for 10 minutes. And I think he's it fits perfectly well. Else. I think if, I think, I think if it's perfectly well into a format like this too, where mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's all part of the sense of chaos that pervades this entire match where mm-hmm. um, the Miz, as far as we're concerned is, is counted out. He does not exist anymore. Um, so everything's kind of like proceeding According to according to plan, according to you know, um, you know somebody somebody's getting up top, and it looks like they could secure it, and then all of a sudden, like, whoops! Hey, you forgot about this variable. Well, it's back to screw up somebody else's plan again. Uh, it's it's it it adds to the the utter um, precariousness of everything going on in this match. Of even when we think, uh, you know, one one harmful variable is eliminated, it comes swinging right back, um, catching us all off guard, including, who didn't he knock down? Was that Kofi? I think no. Kofi. Yeah, think yeah, it was Kofi. Kofi. That was, I that was Kofi when he pulled him down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Kofi was the one on cl- the ladder when, when the Miz came back. Yeah, uh, and again, this great face that you're rooting for, this exceptionally talented face who's put on a great show who you, who you kind of want to win the match. Um, and they once again blindside you um, in this really, this really great way. It's it's a much longer setup and payoff, 
But if you're kind of paying attention to the themes of this match, it only makes perfect sense that mm-hmm. the Miz comes running back to pull this shit. Yep. And then and then kind of we we've, we've reached the winner, Alberto oh, Del Rio. Oh, god damn it. You know, part of me wants to be like a snarky like over nitpicky asshole about it in the sense that like Del Rio spends a significant portion of the match not doing anything. <laughs> Because everybody else took him out already. Yeah. And then he comes roaring back. But I also 2.0. But I also acknowledge that that's almost kind of the point in that you in that like the match, it even it feels like he kind of won when he didn't deserve to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's probably on purpose, but God is it and and it if that's the case, it is an effective sucker punch. It worked. It does because because Mysterio because he won by liter by ripping Rey Mysterio's mask off. Oh my God! This is like this is the peak of Del Rio's heelum. I I've had this really interesting journey mm-hmm. with with Del Rio's morality more uh, morality as a character because I've seen him as both a face and a heel. Um, and even when he was a face, when I saw him as a face, the freaking Santa thing happened. Um, where he was effectively a heel for the episode anyway, albeit a hapless heel who just kind of wanted to not get the shit kicked out of him by John Cena. He's really sorry about murdering by running over Santa, guys. Yeah, yeah, but like, uh, God. But, um, but no matter when he's playing the, in that vein, no matter if he's playing the heel or the face, he kind of uh, has this hapless nature about him where it feels like he stumbles into a lot of the shit that he gets himself into just kind of by accident. He's this big oafish man child who's super rich and buff enough to be in this club. And he just kind of like fasts around in it until he gets in a fight and wins something. Um, it's it, it, So, so this kind of like bumbling, whatever to him is this great, this great, you know, kind of, um, face value trait to him that, that you kind of get wrapped up in, which then makes it all the more holy shit when he pulls something so um, dishonorable and so um, so cheap and, and uh, um, twisted mm-hmm. as unmasking a luchador. With the gravest sin in Mexican wrestling, and they're both and they're both veterans of Mexico. They would know that. Yeah, he he more than anyone that in that ring knows what he's doing when he pulls off Mysterio's mask. Um, and and Mysterio does a great job of selling it. He immediately like hides his face and just topples over this fucking mountain of ladder. He's basically done. He's like that counts him out completely. He is disgraced. Um, and so this. Del Rio pulling this extremely underhanded move, you're kind of like, oh shit, there is a little more to this, like this this wild man child than uh than just kind of being a buffoon with money and muscles. Mm-hmm. And so he is Mr. Money in the Bank, and that yeah. amazing that amazingly comes up later in the show. Again, great job in this episode of of planning and payoff on a, on a whole. Um, but yeah, it, it creates this very effective sucker punch to see him win. And I was so mad. I was so mad when I realized the tables were turning in his favor, mm-hmm. dude. So it I got I, an effective emotional response out of me. Good job. I, I, feel like, I, I feel like I did a good job of not of not telegraphing that I already knew how this all ends. I was really like, 
I kind of at the beginning was like, who would make sense to win this match? And I saw everybody gang up on Del Rio at first, and I'm like, yeah. there was this tiny voice in the back of my head going, oh god, this means he's gonna win, isn't it? <laughs> but but I kind of pushed oh. it aside because I'm like, nah, that's dumb. But then I no, watched everybody else go for it, and I'm like, every anybody else winning this match feels just a mite too random. And mm. I don't know, like, I don't know, like, how they're gonna, you know, kind of justify the winner thematically. Mm-hmm. And seeing seeing Mysterio get it, at that point, I was like, I don't fucking care. He's the MVP of the match. He deserves the dub. And then Del Rio comes back, and it all makes sense. Um, and again, for as upset as it made me to see him win, that's good writing. Yep. Oh, God. Speaking of good writing, let's oh. go to the main. We have arrived, my friends, to perhaps one of the greatest things we've ever covered on this podcast so far. I would absolutely agree with that, but let, let's start with the build-up to it. Because mm. throughout the sh- is first of all, the, the opening video package is pretty much exclusively about CM Punk and John Cena, which also, that had my favorite, my, I, I admit, I kind of dug this video effect a lot, is that is that he always is that they use the, the first video package uses the motif of the of when the clock of when of when punk said when the clock strikes midnight he will no longer be uh work for wwe mm-hmm. and they do a thing where like they have the like the they use like color and black and white to show the moving hands of a clock where it starts in full color and then it clockwise becomes black and white Oh god, it's it was such a good effect. Mm-hmm. Um and the second video package which just like details every like great moment of this of this saga so far. Um I mean, what was brilliant about it is it stayed so thematically true to Punk's propensity for words. Um because not only is it showing off every great and powerful speech he gave, every time he manipulated someone into having the exact reaction he wanted them to and giving him exactly what he what his twisted little ass wants. But it also has this great effect where every character every main character in the saga that gets brought up in the video package has words like labeled over them, like flashed over over um uh footage of them, like um McMahon gets labeled as a tyrant and an autocrat and dictator and uh cena gets labeled as a stooge and a kiss ass and a loser or something like that um it's this great thematic tie-in to again in anybody else's hands this is a microphone in my hands this is a pipe bomb um the the way in which um they they play up punk's love of using his words to destroy is is simply brilliant mm-hmm. and then uh throughout the night we kind of get like the 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 these little uh updates of what's going on and it basically amounts to you know despite vince mcmahon's best efforts according to him anyway cm punk has not signed and they made that clear to, yep. to, this is before is that like punk's not signed we're done if if punk wins he's going to be champion without being under contract and of course, McMahon, like Pontius Pilate, watches his hands of it. Like this, this isn't on me. I did, I did everything I could. This is on Cena. It was because of Cena that we're doing it like this. 
I wash my hands of the yeah. Mm-hmm. Um he which is just a great extra villain moment of him of of just him refusing to take any responsibility for his own actions. Which yep. for as much as he was like over the top tormented by punk, like mm-hmm. he's still at the end of he's the day still the bad guy. super in the wrong. Um and the fact that he's willing to so sell out his top star for this just because he's he's been put in this compromised, embarrassing position that he just personally feels uncomfortable being in. Uh, the, the the character work here is off the charts. Everything mm-hmm. about this. This is just like the next evolution up from where we were during uh, aggressive contract negotiations. Of, mm-hmm. um, we see how these three men have all clashed together and how um, their, their worst, most toxic aspects have all come out to poison each other. And this is the payoff. And we're mm-hmm. just kind of uh, approaching the inevitable of it all falling apart. And then Punk, and then we get to the match itself, and Punk comes out first. Oh, yeah. And, and the crowd is, is so into it. They're losing their minds. And what I just realized when we were talking about this, the ultimate irony of this match, as far as I remember, Punk does not get on a mic once. He doesn't need He doesn't. To. He doesn't talk at all. He doesn't say a single word during this match the ultimate irony is that he just sits there and he takes it all in he's home he's surrounded by family and friends and millions of people who worship him he's done all he needs to now it's time to now it's time to to uh to walk the walk after talking the talk Mm -hmm. it's such a cool juxtaposition from what we've seen from him so far and yet does not for the entirety of that match diminish his character one bit and we'll get into that more um in a in a in a bit because i think you and i might have uh, a very similar thing we want to talk about thematically but we'll we'll we'll, we'll wait on that as we kind of cover the scene unfortunately yeah and and so cena comes out and i think this is as good a time as any to kind of bring in what kind of show what i what i made an interesting observation of during the match at least in my mind is that when Cena comes out, this is the most sullen I've ever seen John Cena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he he just isn't he doesn't do any of his normal like cr- playing to the crowd shtick. He doesn't he doesn't talk to the camera as he runs down to the ring. He doesn't even run down to the ring. He in his, in his goofy in his goofy running style. He yeah. just walks like he like just like puts his head down and when he lifts the belt. And he throws it to he throws his he still throws his shirt to like the one Cena fan he finds in the front row, but other than that he is very subdued, mm-hmm. and in a way and I feel like this match is a really f- good example of the of a rarity from John Cena and that I think is that like he plays the heel in this match in a way he usually doesn't. I that's not his job. But on this night, yes, it is. Oh my God, that 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 that's really interesting on a whole because you then have to ask the question: Is he doing that on purpose, kind of for Punk, mm-hmm. or is he just accepting his own role because he knows he's in hostile territory and he he has to just kind of go in, play it straight and fight the fight um 
you know, despite all the harm that's about to happen. I would guess in kayfabe, it is absolutely. I would, I would argue, argue it's it's Cena has accepted the role that he has to, that he has to play tonight. Yeah, um, and that what's he, really that he, that he understands that he's and especially because the especially because you have the announcers um, spending so much time in the match talking about how like no one in Chicago is cheering for John Cena. Yeah, uh, how how this is. How Jerry Lawler, I think, says it explicitly that even on his worst night, it's 50-50 on John mm-hmm. Cena. And tonight there's just he has no friends in this crowd. And I think that I think that I think that all um, all ties into the story of like Cena accepting the role that he has to play. That tonight he is the heel. <laughs> yeah. Um it's it's kind of this great moment. It's kind of this great thing when you think about it, of how much of this is Cena going mask off in a way. Mm-hmm. And how much of this is like, at least in his mind, the the sacrifice, the the morally ambiguous sacrifice of the of the guy who, at the end of the day, is still ultimately like the good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like how much how much of it is like Cena uh, un, unveiling some like darker hidden nature, and how much of it is this kind of like fucked up, almost like persecution complex. And I don't, I don't think we I, because wrestling doesn't I, and I, I can't say we'll ever know I don't think. But I think that makes it fascinating. Of mm-hmm. you can kind of read into it what you want. Yeah, uh, you can read into it either way. Yeah, and and either way it works, and I think either way is correct, kind of just based on how you view Cena, mm-hmm. um, which I I I really like um, that kind of sullenness um, when he can't he he knows he doesn't have the crowd on his side. Um, it, it, there is something that's like ominous about it in this way. That's kind of hard to exactly pinpoint, but you mm-hmm. know, something's wrong. Yeah. And, and, and what may be noticed during the match that Cena is clearly the heel here is like, is kind of looking, thinking about it in like very basic um, match building block tropes uh, for example, like, Generally speaking, matches are, st- are structured in in very in in much the same way as as you could argue a three act structure fits most movies. For example, mm-hmm. many wrestling matches have a similar kind of structural take to it. Of of it is a match dominated by a heel controlling the match for most of the time until the and and then the baby face getting spurts of of a comeback of hope spots until we reach the inevitable conclusion whether it be the good guy making this successful comeback and winning or the heel stomping it out one last time and they win um john cena i felt controlled a significant portion of this match and and uh, and cm punk was the one in the in the underdog role of being of the one that the crowd needed to rally behind to make the comeback as a, when that is normally seen as job to be the one underfoot. And there's the one who comes back. I half agree with that because I made a similar observation about the power dynamic in this match in particular, but I came out with a bit of a different conclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree that Cena was physically overpowering for a lot of this match. But there was something kind of extra I read into it of the entire time. Um, even when Punk was being underhanded or un- was was being kind of crushed underfoot by Cena, um, 
you had this sense that he, due to being so much in his element, feeling so so righteously justified in what he was doing, um, having a veritable cult there to worship him, he the entire time never quite felt like he was out of control of the match. And on top of that, mm-hmm. there was something I noticed too about about the fighting itself, and that Cena was very Cena about how he fought. Um, it, you know, he was he was straightforward. He pulled off all his signature moves a whole bunch of times, just trying to force Punk to submission the way the way Cena does, especially like a frustrated, sullen Cena who ultimately mm-hmm. like kind of hates the implication of whatever's going on here. Punk felt a little bit different than how he usually tends to fight. He, I mean, he he's never like he's never been one for like that sort of same penchant for brute strength that that Cena has, but he pulled all of these like really tricky moves. These really interesting reversals. Um, he kind of took things and flipped them on its, on its head. And it almost read to me as this thematic acknowledgement of Cena is ultimately towing the company line here. He's doing mm-hmm. things the way they're supposed to be done. Yada, yada, yada playing lapdog yeah. for Vince. Um, but, Punk doesn't do that. Punk this entire time has been playing by his own rules. And this match is a very physical com- culmination of that. And it kind of makes it a foregone conclusion once you notice that, that, oh shit, Punk's going to come out of this victorious because he's the one person who isn't trapped in by the company mindset. And that allows him to think outside the box. That allows mm-hmm. him to get the upper hand. And that kind of indicates that the entire time even when he's being when he's slightly submissive to Cena he's in control of the situation in his own head um just like he has been from the very beginning I would agree with that completely and I and I and I do also agree with with this uh, I agree with this idea with the idea of like he never felt quite out of it even mm-hmm. Even when he was being on the defensive, and then I think you you get that in a way of like, and you look at like how many times John Cena put him in the STF is a lot. He he got out of it like three times, two times, and the third time I'll get we'll get to that when we talk about how it end, how this thing ends. Yeah, and then he kicks out of two attitude adjustments, which it, at the time is insane. Yeah. Um, that that is a move that that John Cena has been devalued a little bit in terms of, of power str- in terms of like power levels and how much of a kill shot it is as mm-hmm. as time has gone on, but definitely for 2011, kicking out of not even one but two of them is nuts. Oh God! And it 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 adds to this energy of of that makes Punk feel it feel inevitable what's going to happen here. That Punk is going to pull this off. Yeah, um, it's brilliant thematic mm. writing and and thematic physical execution. And again, I ne- I can you can never tell with the with the writers' room, right? How much of that deeper layer is is um is kind of meant to be there? Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of that is to and 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 another kind of layer to that is you can put a lot of that simply on Punk's performance, Punk is at his most consummate here like every moment his character felt so real um that kind of constant joker smile he has when he's when he's winning um 
and that insane wild desperate look in his eyes when he's losing and and knows he can break out of it he just needs to reach to the rope or he just needs to to break out of this and um a lot of that a lot of that comes from you know what a great performer he is um again extra impressively without using a single word to express himself here uh, on the mic um but i i, I want to believe that some of this like some some of this um layering was intentional that they went into this kind of with these things in mind of mm-hmm. we're in chicago um and cena is in a very tough spot um and punk has been absolutely dominating all of this um how can we make the physicality of this match reflect that mm-hmm. i want to believe that some of that was was intentional from the get-go because it's just too cool for that for for that to be you know accidental as it were i i do too and i, I do believe some of it is especially because i think that's kind that's kind of a story that you see on commentary you know i think i think commentary is very is kind of a window into what the story's supposed to be mm-hmm. and i and i think we do get elements of that in the way that michael cole jerry lawler and booker t tell talk uh call this match Ab- oh my god absolutely i mean they they were they were fantastic at announcing pretty much the entire mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. um but they all three of them were really invested and again i'm not, i don't do a great job during uh during matches of really picking up on what commentary is saying but i for this one i was able to kind of appreciate that each one of them had some really valuable insight to offer as to kind of what was going on both physically in ring and kind of inside the head of each uh each mm-hmm. participant and also, I think that, you know, the the very unique dynamics here of, of CM Punk being a heel in, in, in terms of the most basic, in terms of like the, the broad strokes, you know, story, storytelling, but being a babyface on this night kind of creates interesting dynamics in how like Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler treat him. Mm. That is, because... Because you know Jerry Lawler is pretty clearly a babyface at this point, and but Michael Cole is also very blatantly a heel, and he's kind of obnoxious as a heel. But uh-huh. now, like, what do you like? He's both a heel and a company man, which means he doesn't really like either man here. <laughs> yeah, I know he's and he and he and he inevitably takes kind of takes the point of well, at least John Cena is not going to leave with the title. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, uh, and, and and Booker he, Booker T felt pretty pretty explicitly faced too. Mm-hmm. But it's it's it was a very it was I think it was very fun to see. I think commentary did a really good job on this match. Oh my god, yeah this this match was this match was near perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, like the my only complaint, like maybe there were one too many, like you know, fake out kickouts, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, I have, like, one slight gripe with the very end of the match. But overall, like, oh, my God. Which, let, let's go to the, let's the, go go, to the very let's end. Let's go to the end. So well, kind of what happened is, is CM Punk finally hits John Cena with a go to sleep. Um, commentary kind of undersells it by, like, acknowledging that CM Punk didn't quite hit it correctly. And it hit John Cena more in the chest than it did in the head. <laughs> but it is supposed to be he hit the move. But, but also John, keep in mind, this is like right after too. Punk was mm-hmm. like, 
half unconscious as Cena like Cena set him up uh, to Mm. to sit up you know sit up at one of the corners of the ring for for him to set up a move Uh, and Punk like once Cena started kind of really finagling with him Punk woke up um, Mm -hmm. and just went hog wild on this man Mm -hmm. Uh, after after so many like so many like attempted chokeouts from Cena and everything like like Punk just got this this glorious miraculous second wind that mm-hmm. just kind of lit that extra fire that you could tell he was was he was going to use to win the mm-hmm. match. So Punk get, Punk hits Cena with the with the go to sleep his his big move, but Cena is able to roll out of the ring. And by this point, mm-hmm. and so at this point in the match, what happens is now Vince McMahon shows up. Yeah, with John Laurinaitis in tow, and and it's kind of funny that uh, I'd almost think it was intentional that mm-hmm. you know earlier in the sh- early in the match you know they Michael Cole brings up the Montreal screw job in relation to this event and you you can argue till the de- you can you can go back and forth on whether it's totally appropriate to talk about a real life incident like that and weave it into your fake storyline but it worked but it does work for the story Honestly, take that element out of it, and it sets up what happens in the fun. It's a it's a setup to the payoff of the end of this match, where I didn't even catch that. Where Vince McMahon literally is going to try to do another screw job. He's signaling to the ref to end. Like what happens is that he causes enough of a distraction that John Cena gets Punk in the STF again, and Vince McMahon is like barking orders at Laurinaitis and trying to tell the ref to ring the bell mm-hmm. and end the match right there. Yeah. And the, Cena notices this happening. I, I don't, and he's actually stopped and he actually stops and goes and outside and decks Laurinaitis <laughs> <laughs> because Cena is like, no, I'm not winning like this. Like I'm not gonna win in some like some political power play bullshit. I'm gonna win because I won myself. And and I think this comes this this becomes the most fascinating moment of the match, um, because yeah we have we have this thing where you know they're they're hearkening back to the screw job and Vince you know they're they're trying to show that Vince is doing another one and then Cena is of course again Cena about it and is like no. I want to win this my way, which is a very interesting angle to take your like kind of default heel for this man. Mm-hmm. Um, that he still he, wants to do it honorably, which costs him. And I think that's kind of the, the most, I think that's something very interesting is that arguably Vince McMahon and John Cena are, were the architects of their own demise mm-hmm. of this situation because if Vince McMahon doesn't decide to like take matters into his own hands and try to screw Punk out of it himself, like you can assume that Punk probably taps out because this, like, this was one STF too many. Like, yeah. if we, if we treat this in a kayfabe mindset. Mm-hmm. At the same time, John Cena deciding to be honorable and say, "I'm not going to win by cheating." Let's Punk have enough of an opportunity to rev- to get to you know recover. And hit and and surprise Cena with a go to sleep and win the match. Okay, so so go to sleep is kind of like Punk's power move then. It is okay, so that kind of eliminates my gripe because my one final gripe was um was Cena pops back into the ring after telling Vince to fuck off, uh, and then Punk immediately hits him with go to sleep, uh, and and Cena without without resistance 
loses the tap out or loses the count out. Yeah. Um, no, that, uh, that, that, that's that's his that's his like go to finishing maneuver, okay. and it, and is literally supposed to be like a knee to the face. Okay, so felt so felt kind of random, to, but well, mm -hmm. I guess like knowing that, okay, that doesn't gripe gone then. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's really this really interesting moment of like, dang, who's who's right here? Because as we talked about the last the last summer punk episode, all three of them kind of suck in their own way. Um, there is no true good guy here. Um, you know, Punk is in a way the most objectively justified because he's been legitimately treated like crap and he's actually trying to like call the company out and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But he's such a maniacal, power-hungry prick about it that he takes it way too far for you to like properly sympathize with him. Now, now again, in, in, you know, in meta or whatever, of course we're all rooting for him because he's just right. like... He's 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 the freshest thing any that's happened to any storyline recently, and it's just so exciting to watch him go off like this. Um, and Cena and McMahon are similarly toxic, but without a single iota of that charisma to back it up. That Punk is just so infused with. Um, so of course you're like ending up rooting for rooting rooting for Punk or whatever. Um, but you know we have McMahon trying to play it dirty, and he screws himself. Um, we have Cena trying to play it clean and he screws himself ultimately because I guess because at the end of the day, he's still playing lapdog for Vince mm -hmm. uh, and it's showing like, like even in your version of clean, you're still doing like this weird, like uh faux virtuous dirty work um, because, uh, because we got to like, uh, we got to take away any of, um, any of punk's righteous credibility but but the honorable way and then we have punk mm -hmm. pulling the ultimate villain move of he wins and he's leaving with that title and he's fucked over cena and he's fucked over mcmahon he's fucked over the whole company and there's there this is there there was no good ending to this and we got the best bad ending of them all because now holy shit what do we do now and, and Vince had one more try in that after Punk won the belt, he tries to get Del Rio down to the ring to cash in. Oh, yeah. And LOL, Del Rio gets in the ring and immediately gets kicked in the head. Yeah, before the bell gets rung. And oh, yes. And then Punk's like, all right, I'm out. And he yeah, runs and off in, in the fan. Amazing visual of him running off into the crowd. First, he turns around at the barricade and blows Vince a kiss goodbye, hmm. and then and the pay per view ends with with Punk walking up the aisles amidst the crowd with the title belt in tow, full well with the knowledge that he is gone. And the in in the vein of setups and payoffs that we've been talking about this whole time, we we get the visual to accompany the claim that started it all that punk is the voice of the people. And there he stands amidst his people, his home tribe lauding him as their God, as he stands victorious over, over uh, the, the company that's oppressed him for far too long. His, his, uh, his maniacal twisted, awful, amazing plan having come to perfect success Oh God, is it brilliant? It is 
Money in the Bank is a fan. 2011 is a fantastic show. This is one of the best things. This is one of the best episodes we've watched so far. Mm-hmm. The, the, this was simply exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and, and the other two matches are, are that we did not watch are also fantastic. For oh, people. that's so cool. The whole show is that like you watch the whole thing is just as good. Yeah, no, all good stuff. This this was this was an exemplary episode and everything. This is everything I crave when I watch this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I that this is like, you know. Oh my god! Again, th- this takes me back to the AEW episode where I'm marveling in the thematic brilliance of what's been presented to me. Um, again, to gratify to deeply gratify Austin once again having followed this storyline kind of all the way through up to this point and seeing the seeds that were laid and how, yeah, even when, you know, uh, and, and again, the, 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 all the setup episodes were some of the smartest writing that we've watched, uh, on a whole for this series so far. Um, but like, even like the silliest of that, of that, like kind of smart writing, has some sort of like payoff or wraps into the whole like kind of thematic package. Um, it's so intensely cool to have followed this from, uh, from the pipe bomb promo up till now. Um, because it feels like such a culmination of everything we've been so tuned into in this era. Mm -hmm. Um, and how gloriously it was executed. Um, how well done it was. I couldn't have asked for a better uh, a better conclusion to this story than this moment. Oh God! Absolutely, and this is this is the absolute peak of this of this storyline. It's right here this night. This this feels like the absolute. This this feels like out of like storyline climaxes again, mm-hmm. of which I've watched next to none. But just from what I know about uh, about this this world, this this media world as a whole, this feels like one of the best of the best. Just mm-hmm. you can tell how how beautifully done everything was. This is not the kind of storyline that comes along every day or every year or you know whatever time period in which uh, across which storylines take place. This was lightning in a bottle, uh, which is. Perfect imagery considering the the punk logo. Oh yeah, punk logo. That, was that fist logo. holding onto the lightning bolt. Yep. What a perfect what a perfect encapsulation of what this moment is. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh my god. Huh. And next time we get to do like what is the opposite of Money in the Bank 2011? Oh, I was having such a good time. Why? I know. Why? I'm I, I, uh, I take the roller coaster around here, David. Uh, as, we, as, we, as we return to the new generation. Please spare me. Please, audience. I'm being tortured. Somebody please come save me. I'm trapped in this little digital box here. Austin cast some sort of spell on me. I can't escape. Uh, I am I, I, I am made to suffer. Somebody please, I'm begging you. Don't worry, we're not gonna after. Don't worry, after this is over, we're not gonna do any intentionally bad stories for a while. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but yes, next time. Uh, again, normally this is where I'd uh, plug what's gonna happen, but I'm still being coy and mysterious about why I pick the new generation era. 
to my detriment, I think, because I, I did because I'm realizing in real time how bad this storyline was, even worse than I thought it was. <laughs> and David, and I can't even tell David how what I what it was, what it is we're talking about. Hey, <laughs> hey, Austin, you reap what you sow, bitch. It is me, me <laughs> reaping. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck yeah, fuck <laughs> me sowing. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh i hate everything okay dear lord all i did right. that backwards but whatever uh, yeah i got the this one yeah yes sir all right so my friends oh my dear dear friends thank you for once again joining us on this most bizarre of of uh, uh sports art entertainment madness uh we are so happy to have you listening uh if this is your first time with us welcome we are so gratified to have you if you're a returning listener uh thank you for joining us once again we we hope uh whether you're whether you're new or returning uh you continue to stick around to check out our uh, our further adventures into wrestling analysis um if you do not yet follow us and would like to do so, you can subscribe to us on YouTube, the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Um, you can follow us on Spotify. You can follow us on Apple. And you can follow us on Google, uh, three of the best places to get podcasts. Um, please, you know, leave us likes, leave us comments, leave us leave us uh, ratings and reviews. Let us know what you think of the show. We love all. Oh, we love that engagement. It's It, it feeds our souls. Um, and, and our viewership and everything, you know, that's kind of nice too. Um, and we just, we just generally like to hear from the people who listen to us, um, you know, what you, what you think of what's going on. Um, uh, if you'd like to reach out, reach out to us on socials, uh, you can find us on Twitter at noobs and knocks pod. That's noobs, the letter N knocks pod. Uh, you can find us on Gmail. Uh, you can, you can, you can email us at noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com. Uh, you know, write us. Let us know uh, what you think of the show. Give us suggestions. You know, just just throw some kind words our way. Whatever you want to do. Uh, you can follow us on Patreon, the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. Join our one dollar tier to get uh, early access to episodes every week and get a shout out in the end of each episode. Absolutely. See you guys next time. Lost the luego.